Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. saints i hope today finds you well praise god for another day i tell you we are living in some times where you better thank god every time you wake up every time you leave the house to go shopping when you get home thank him i praise him every day all day i had some uh tragic news yesterday I found out that my niece, my brother's daughter, her mother passed away on the 27th, two days after her 50th birthday, and she passed away by COVID-19. This is a real pandemic. Yes, we are living in some perilous times, and a very dear friend of mine, love her dearly, I call her my baby sister. Her aunt passed away. So you guys keep yourself, your family, your friends, your co-workers, and your loved ones in your thoughts and prayers today. I thank God that he has a hedge of protection over me, over my family, over my friends. I pray that Every day. And when I say I pray for people, I really truly pray for people. I pray for individuals who ask me to pray for them. And I tell you, we need to thank God that he has decided to keep us here. Because it could have been you and it could have been me. But I thank God that I'm still here to share with you his living word. Now, with that said, we will complete the final episode of 2 Samuel. We are talking about David, my Lord, King David. King David went through before and during his kingship. And we will cover the last four chapters in 2 Samuel, chapters 21 through 24. And my God, David is still going through. Now, I will be using... A version of the Bible that you may not have heard of. The CSB, as in boy. It is the Christian Standard Bible. However, if you see some differences in, in words or in wording in the version of the Bible that you have, it's quite all right because in the end, we will still be in the same place. So, with that said, I hope you are in chapter 21 of 2 Samuel, and I will begin reading at verse 1. During David's reign, there was a famine for three successive years. So David inquired of the Lord, which simply means he sought the Lord's face. The Lord answered, it is due to Saul and to his bloody family because he killed the Gibeonites. Now we all know David is king, have been king for quite some time now, and Saul is dead. But because Saul did something horrific, he killed the Gibeonites and Joshua made a vow 
back in Joshua chapter nine, I think verses three through 17 with the Gibeonites, even though they tricked him, um, the vow was they would never harm the Gibeonites. They allowed the Gibeonites to come living in it, live in Israel to be their servants and that he vowed not to harm them. Uh, you can read about that. And let me see. I think it is. Let me pull up my notes right quick. In Joshua chapter nine, verse three through 17, I was correct. I'm trying to remember my notes without having to pull him up to save time. And I should also mention, instead of me stopping periodically and give you commentary after each chapter, since um, they are not that long. And I remember I said during episode four, this is episode five, the final episode, that chapter 24 was long. No, chapter 24 is not long. Chapter 22 is the longest chapter here. So what I'm going to do at the end of each chapter, I will give a commentary about what we just read. How about that? Okay. Verse two, the Gibeonites were not Israelites, but rather a remnant of the Amorites. The Israelites had taken an oath concerning them, but Saul had tried to kill them in his zeal for the Israelites and Judah. So David summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Verse three, he asked the Gibeonites, what should I do for you? How can I make atonement so that you will bring a blessing on the Lord's inheritance? Verse four, the Gibeonites said to him, him who David, we are not asking for silver and gold from Saul or his family. They are not asking for money and we cannot put anyone to death in Israel. So they thought, <laughs> whatever you say, I will do for you. He said, that's David talking. Verse five, they replied to the king, as for the man who annihilated us and plotted to destroy us, so we would not exist within the whole territory of Israel. Verse six, let seven of his male descendants be handed over to us so we may hang them in the presence of the Lord at Gibeah of Saul. The Lord's chosen. Now, I have to stop here. What he's talking about when he say the Lord's chosen, he mean the king talking about Saul, the king, the king um, before David. The king answered, I will hand them over. Verse seven, David spared Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, because of the oath of the Lord that was between David and Jonathan, Saul's son. But the king took Armani and Mephibosheth, who were the two sons whom Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, had borne to Saul, and the five sons whom Merab, daughter of Saul, had borne to Adriel, son of Barzillai, the Mehalathite. Verse 9, and handed them over to the Gibeonites. They hanged them on the hill in the presence of the Lord. The seven of them died together. They were executed in the first days of the harvest at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now I must stop here because uh, I mean, this seems harsh. It is, but you do not let a famine that affects the entire nation take place without making a decision. Everybody's suffering because of what Saul did. So David made an agreement with him. Uh, uh, they wanted to kill seven of, of David's male descendants and David handed them over, but he kept his oath between him and Jonathan and protected Jonathan's son. Yes, he did. Oh my God. Oh my God. So let me read verse nine over and handed them over to the Gibeonites. They hanged them on the hill in the presence of the Lord the seven of them died together. They are executed or they were executed in the first days of the harvest at the beginning of the barley harvest. Oh my, oh my. That was between March and April. Verse 10, Ritzpah, Ai's daughter, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the rain poured down from heaven on the bodies. 
She kept the birds of the sky from them by day and the wild animals by night. I will explain that in my commentary. Verse 11. When it was reported to David what Saul's concubine, Ritzva, daughter of Ai, had done, he went and got the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from the, from the citizens of Jabesh Gilead. They had stolen them from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung the bodies the day of the Philistines, or the day the Philistines killed Saul at Gilboa. Verse 13. David had the bones brought from there. They gathered up the bones of Saul's family who had been hanged, verse 14, and buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan at Zela in the land of Benjamin in the tomb of Saul's father Kish. They did everything the king commanded. After this, God was receptive to prayer for the land. Verse 15, the Philistines again waged war against Israel. David went down with his soldiers and they fought the Philistines, but David became exhausted. Verse 16, then Ishbi Benab, one of the descendants of the giant whose bronze spear weighed about eight pounds and who wore new armor intended to kill David. Verse 17, but Abishai or Abishai, son of Zeruah, came to his aid, struck the Philistine, and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, him who David, you must never again go out with us to battle. You must not extinguish the lamp of Israel. Verse 18, after this, there was another battle with the Philistines at Gob. At that time, Sabichai, the, Hish, look, the Hushite, killed Saf. These words are very challenging. I'm going to try the best I can, but you can see the same names. And you, you can hear me trying to pronounce them, but you can also see these names. Okay. Who was one of the descendants of the giant. Verse 19. Once again, there was a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And Elhanai, son of Jeroham, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath of Gath. Of Gath. Now, yeah, I'm going to explain that because, you know, we know David killed Goliath when David was young, a young teen boy, uh, a teen. The shaft of his spear was like a weaving's beam. At verse 20, at Gath, there was still another battle. A huge man was there with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all. He, too was descended from the giant, verse 21. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of David's brother, Shimei, killed him. Verse 22. These four were descended from the giant in Gath and were killed by David and his soldiers. Now, let me give you a commentary of what we just read. Now, during David's reign is, is literally in, in David's days. The last four chapters of 2 Samuel contain six accounts of, of matters pertaining to David's life. Now, though not tied chronologically to the rest of the book, it appears the author had additional information he wished to include about David. And he decided this was the best place to put it. Okay. In the first account, God used continuing famine to prompt David to seek the reason behind this calamity. Okay. The Lord revealed the answer to David that Saul and his bloody family had killed the Gibeonites. Now the Gibeonites had remained in the land since the days of Joshua. The Israelites had taken an oath not to destroy them. And I told you, you can read about that in Joshua chapter nine, verse three and 13. Saul, however, had not honored that oath and had killed many of the Gibeonites that he could. Okay. Now when David asked, what, what should I do for you? It showed his humble attitude and his concern for justice. It was harsh, but that was justice. Now Israel did not allow their subject peoples to put anyone to death without Israelite sanction. 
And that's restrictions, you know, imposed on Israel by Roman authority. You can also read about that in John chapter 18, verse 31. Now the Gibeonites asked for the death of seven of Saul's male descendants. Saul had, had, had killed many more of the Gibeonites than seven. No doubt the number requested was a symbolic representation of the dead Gibeonites. Now Gibeah was Saul's hometown. Now, since Saul had killed their people at Gibeon, the Gibeonites wanted to reciprocate by hanging his descendants in his hometown. My God, they were harsh back then. Thank God we are in a different dispensation called grace. Hallelujah. Because there's no way a human being should live like that, where they had to kill people for restitution. My Lord. Now, even in complying with the Gibeonites request, David spared Mephibosheth in accord with his earlier oath regarding Jonathan. And you can read that in uh, chapter nine, verse one through 10, first Samuel chapter 18 and verse three, chapter 20, um, verses 12 through 17 and chapter 23, verse 18. Now, Ritzpah was the same concubine with whom Abner had sex, sexual relations with. You know, Saul's daughter, uh, Moreb, Moreb was Saul's daughter, was to have been David's wife, but was given to Adriel instead. You can read that again if you haven't been following the, this series in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 19. Now this Barzillai, is not to be confused with the one who helped David in chapter 19, verse 31 through 39. The beginning of the barley harvest was normally during Nisan between March and April. That's the beginning of the religious year. Now, Ritzva performed a tragic act of love for her sons and Mirab's sons. She was protecting their bodies from desecrations by birds and wild animals. The rain mentioned normally fell in March and April between the barley and wheat harvest. So the exact length of Ritzva's vigil is unknown. Okay. Now David heard about what Ritzva had done and he took action to provide the dead an honored burial. The bones of Saul and his son, Jonathan, and presumably those of Abinadab and Malkishua in 1 Samuel chapter um, 31, verse 2, um, and verses 12 through 13, were brought from Jabesh Gilead back to Benjamin. David also gathered up the bones of Saul's family. The remains were placed in the family tomb of Saul's father, Kish. The exact location of Zella, other than in Benjamin, is unknown. You can read Joshua chapter 18, verse 28. Write down these scriptures I'm giving you so that you can read these scriptures as it pertain to these scriptures because I already studied them. Okay. Now God was receptive to prayer means that the famine had ceased. Now, perhaps when the Philistines learned that King David was on the field, they concentrated their efforts against him, explaining his exaltation because David was exhausted. Now, Ishbi Binab is unknown outside this passage, but he may have been one of the descendants of the giant Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 4. Now, though some scholars understand the Hebrew word translated giant is Rapha. Now, as a proper name, one of the descendants of Rapha, the man intended to kill David because killing him would deal Israel a serious blow. It would put the lamp out of Israel. Now, David's nephew, Abishai, saved the king's life and struck the Philistine. Now, as they pondered how close David had come to death, they told him not to participate with them in any more battles. And admonition the king seems to have taken to heart. Through his leadership, David, as the figurative lamp of Israel, provided political, military, and spiritual light to this, this nation, the nation of Israel. Now, Gob means cistern, may be either identified with or in the close vicinity of Gezar at the month of the Agilon Valley near Philistine territory. That's in first Chronicles chapter 20, verse four on the giant. You need to see verse 16. 
Now, this verse raises the question of who killed Goliath of Gath. Okay. In 1 Samuel 17, 50 and 51, it credits David. But this verse credits Elhanan. Now, one interpretation suggests two different Goliaths. Now, though the identical description of Goliath's spear being like a weaver's beam in 1 Samuel 17, verse 7, makes this option doubtful. Another explanation is to understand Elhanan as David's original name and David as David's throne name, but this is not supported elsewhere in scripture. By far, the most likely explanation is that Elhanan killed not Goliath, but Goliath's brother, as in first Chronicles chapter 20, verse five states, and that an early scribe simply miscopied the present verse. See, we have, we are entrusting these scriptures to uh, the scribes to write them down. They worked in David's government and may have, you know, miswrote. Okay. Now, although this verse and uh, first Chronicles two, five read a bit differently in English in the Hebrew text, only a minor altercation is required to change from one reading to another. Now, the battle at Gath was against an unnamed giant, noted by his malformation. Taunted is the same word used five times in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. Now, let's pick up uh, chapter 22. Chapter 22 is by far the longest chapter in uh, this episode. Okay, verse 1, chapter 22, David spoke the words of this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from the grasp of all his enemies and from the grasp of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. Hallelujah. We say this today in prayer. I know I do. Verse 3, my God, my rock where I seek refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. You save me from violence. I call, verse four, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise. Hallelujah. And I was saved from my enemies. Verse five, for the waves of death engulfed me. The torrents of destruction terrified me. The ropes of Sheol entangled me. Now, Sheol in Hebrew is beneath the earth where the dead people are. Okay. The snares of death confronted me. Verse seven. I called to the Lord in my distress. Hallelujah. I called to my God from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry for help reached his ears. Verse eight. Then the earth shook and quaked. The foundation of the heavens trembled. They shook because he burned with anger. Verse nine, smoke rose from his nostrils and consuming fire came from his mouth. Coals were set ablaze by it. Verse 10, he bent the heavens and came down. Total darkness beneath his feet. He Verse 11, he rode on a cherub and flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. Verse 12. He made darkness a canopy around him, a gathering of water and thick clouds. Verse 13, from the radiance of his presence, blazing coals were ignited. Verse 14, the Lord thundered from heaven. The most high made his voice heard. Verse 15, he shot arrows and scattered them. He hurled lightning bolts and routed them. Verse 16, the depths of the sea became visible. The foundations of the world were exposed at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. Verse 17, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He pulled me out of deep waters. All of these scriptures that we are reading now are written in the book of Psalms. They are David's experiences with the Lord and they should be our experiences also. But we need to thank God for what he has done and is still doing in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm getting full reading these. Verse 18. He rescued me from my powerful enemy and from those who hated me for they were too strong for me. 
verse 19, they confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. Hallelujah. Verse 20, he brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Verse 21, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. He repaid me according to the cleanness of my hands. Verse 22, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not turned from my God to wickedness. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 23, indeed, I let all his ordinances guide me. That's his laws. All of his ordinances guide me and have not disregarded his statutes. Verse 24, I was blameless before him and kept myself from iniquity. Verse 25, so the Lord repaid me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. Verse 26, with the faithful, you prove yourself faithful. With the blameless, you prove yourself blameless. Verse 27, with the pure, you prove yourself pure, but with the crooked, you prove yourself shrewd. You rescue an oppressed people, but your eyes are set against the proud. You humble them. God will repay and avenge us of our enemies. Trust what I'm telling you. Verse 29, Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord illuminates my darkness. Verse 30, with you, I can attack a barricade, my Lord. And with my God, I can leap over a wall. Verse 31, God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is pure. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Verse 32, for who is God besides the Lord? Now we do know in the New Testament, it says we have one God and one Lord. So he's talking about Jesus and God being one. Remember, Jesus said, I and my father are one. Okay. You have to remember that certain prophets and uh, back in the biblical days, Jesus was the one talking to them the majority of the times. This was before he came to earth in flesh. Okay. Verse 32 again. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock? Only our God. Verse 33, God is my strong refuge. He makes my way perfect. Verse 34, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer, which is swift and sets me securely on the heights. Verse 35, he trains my hands for war. We all know David was a mighty warrior. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. Verse 36, you have given me the shield of your salvation. Your help exalts me, meaning lifts me up. Verse 37, you make a spacious place beneath me for my steps and my ankles do not give way. Verse 38, I pursue my enemies and destroy them. I do not turn back until they are wiped out. Verse 39, I wipe them out and crush them and they do not rise. They fall beneath my feet. Verse 40, you have clothed me with strength for battle. You subdue my adversaries beneath me. Verse 41, you have made my enemies retreat before me. I annihilate those who hate me. Verse 42, they look, but there is no one to save them. They look to the Lord but he does not answer them. Verse 43, I pulverize them like dust of the earth. I crush them and trample them like mud in the streets. Verse 44, you have freed me from the feuds among my people. You have preserved me as head of nations, a people I had not known served me. Verse 45, foreigners submit to me cringing. As soon as they hear, they obey me. Verse 46, foreigners lose heart and come trembling from their fortifications. Verse 47, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Hallelujah. God, the rock of my salvation is exalted, meaning God is lifted up. Verse 48, God, he grants me vengeance and casts down peoples under me. Verse 49, he frees me from my enemies. 
You exalt me above my adversaries. You rescue me from violent men. Verse 50. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations, Lord. I will sing praises about your name. You see, this thing is all about God. Verse 51. He is a tower of salvation for his king. He shows loyalty to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we are going into chapter 23. Now, I was not going to read chapter 23 because of the challenging names that are in it. And it's basically about David's um, commanders in his army and how they successfully help David defend against his enemies. But if I don't read chapter 23, chapter 24 may not make any sense to you. So bear with me with these names and I will begin reading verse one of chapter 23. These are the last words of David. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that these are the last words that David made because David still lives after this chapter and after chapter 24 going into first Kings. Okay. <sighs> Let's, let me read that again. Verse one. These are the last words of David, the declaration of David, son of Jesse, the declaration of the man raised on high, the one anointed by the God of Jacob. This is the most delightful of Israel's songs. The spirit of the Lord spoke through me. Now, let me explain this. This is the only time in first and second Samuel Kings two that David is acting on behalf of a prophet and a priest. When he is speaking, I want you to listen closely. Verse two, again, the spirit of the Lord spoke through me and you know, God only spoke through his prophets. Um, his word was on my tongue. Verse three, the God of Israel spoke, the rock of Israel said to me, the one who rules the people with justice, who rules in the fear of God, verse four, is like the morning light when the sun rises. Now you may have a, a version that says those who rule over, me, over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. That's talking about kings. This is why God made sure Trump was out of office. He was not just, he was not a righteous man. He was rotten from the inside out and he did not treat God's people the way they should have been treated or the way we are supposed to be treated. Okay. He was all about himself. Trump represents Saul. Okay. He is the modern day King Saul who was horrible. Okay. Verse four. Uh, let me read verse three again. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, the one who rules the people with justice who rules in the fear of God. Trump had no fear of God, none, zero, because Satan doesn't have any fear of God either. So the person who posted on social media saying, I don't care what anybody says, uh, Trump knows God. You're right. Satan is a God too, but he's not a God. He's not the God of all the ages. Okay. Verse four is like the morning light when the sun rises on a cloudless morning. The glisten of rain on sprouting grass. Verse five. Is it not true? My house is with God for he has established a permanent covenant with me ordered and secured in every detail. Will he not bring about my whole salvation and my every desire? Verse six. This sounds like a proud prayer, but you got to listen carefully. But all the wicked are like thorns raked aside. They can never be picked up by hand. Verse seven, the man who touches them, touches what? The wicked must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear. They will be completely burned up on the spot. Verse eight, these are the names of David's warriors. This is where I was going to stop because this is where we are getting ready to read some challenging names. But before we go into chapter 24, you're going to understand um, what's going on in 24 verse eight. Again, these are the names of David's warriors. Jasheb Beshebeth. Now the ones I know I can't pronounce. I'm going to spell them out to you. How about that? And the T A H C H E M O N I T E 
was chief of the officers. He wielded his spear against 800 men that he killed at one time. Verse 9, after him, Eleazar, son of Dodo, son of an Ahahite, was among the three warriors with David when they defied the Philistines. The men of Israel retreated in the place they had gathered for battle. But Eleazar stood his ground and attacked the Philistines until his hand was tired and stuck to his sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Then the troops came back to him, but only to plunder the dead. They took the goods and the spoils off of, off of the dead. After him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Hararite. The Philistines had assembled in formation where there was a field full of lentils. The troops fled from the Philistines, but Shema took his stand in the middle of the field, defended it, and struck down the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Verse 13, three of the 30 leading warriors went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam, while a company of Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephraim. Verse 14, at that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. Verse 15, David was extremely thirsty and said, if only someone would bring me water to drink from the well at the city gate of Bethlehem. Verse 16, so three of the warriors broke through the Philistine camp and drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. They brought it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out to the Lord. Verse 17, David said, Lord, I would never do such a thing. Is this not the blood of men who risked their lives? So he refused to drink it. Such were the exploits of the three warriors. Verse 18, Abishai, Joab's brother and son of Zeruah was leader of the three. He wielded his spear against 300 men and killed them, gaining a reputation among the three. Verse 19, was he not more honored than the three? He became their commander, even though he did not become one of the three. Verse 20, Beaniah, son of Jehoiada, was the son of a brave man from Cabeziel, a man of many exploits. Beaniah killed two sons of Ariel of Moab, and he went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Verse 21, he also killed an Egyptian, an impressive man. Even though the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Beaniah went down to him with a club, snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and then killed him with his own spear. Verse 22, these were the exploits of Beaniah, son of Jehoiada, who had a reputation among the three warriors. Verse 23, he was the most honored of the 30, but he did not become one of the three. David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Verse 24, among the 30 were Joab's brother, Ashihel, Elhanah, son of Dodo of Bethlehem. Verse 25, Shema, the Herodite, and Ilica, the Herodite, verse 26. Elzaz, the Peltite, Ira, son of Ikesh, the Tekaite, verse 27. Abizar, the Anathodite, and I can't, I, look, this, I cannot pronounce this word, M-E-B-U-N-N-A-I, the Hushaite. Verse 28, Salmon, the Ahohite, and Maharai, the Netephahite, or the Metephathite. Verse 29, Haleb, son of Bana, the Netephathite, Ittai, son of Ribai, from Gibeah, of the Benjamites. Verse 30, Benaiah, the Parathonite, Hidai, from the Wadish of Gash. And verse 31, let me spell this. A-B-I-Albon, the Arbathite of Asmareth, the Barhumite, verse 32. Eliabah, the Shaalbanite, 
the sons of Jashin, Jonathan, son of Shammah, the Herorite, Ahiam, son of Shear, the Herorite, verse 34, Eliphalet, son of Ashabai, son of Mahakahite, Eliam, son of Ahithophel, the Gileonite, verse 35, Hezro, the Carmelite, Perari, the Arbite, verse 36, Igal, son of Nathan, from Zabah, Benai, the Gadite, verse 37, Zelech, the Ammonite, the N-A-H-A-R-A-I, the Berethite, the Armabarah, for Joab, son of Zeruah, verse 38, Ira, the Ithrite, Gareb, the Ithrite, verse 39, and Uriah, the Hittite. You guys remember Uriah, the Hittite? So this is talking about something from the past, or this is talking about something before we started, before David started prophesying these scriptures, because we know there was only one Uriah, the Hittite. Okay, that's in verse 39. There were 37 in all. Now, these are the names and accounts of some of David's warriors, his most valiant soldiers. Now, God blessed David with exceptional military men. The list includes the three famous heroes who turned the tide of events in single combat and the 30 warriors who served in a special detachment. There were men from many different tribes of Israel and even a few foreigners among the men who rallied to David, including Uriah the Hittite, who was a black man. Okay. Now, defied is the same word used of Goliath's word against Israel. Now, let's go directly into chapter 24. This is the last chapter. It is a short chapter. Um, I will begin reading at verse one. My Lord, the Lord's anger burned against Israel again. And he stirred up David against them to say, go count the people of Israel and Judah. Now, here's where it gets tricky. This was a test. Now, we know the New Testament said God doesn't tempt. He meaning he doesn't test people, uh, especially with evil. But in the Old Testament, it means God proved an individual. Okay. Now, uh, it, it, let me read because I'm going to have to explain this to you. I ain't going to wait till after I read this chapter. I, I might, but I need to explain this to you. Verse two. So the king said to Joab, the commander of his army, go through all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and register the troops so I can know their number. But listen to Joab's reply. This is very important. Verse three, Joab replied to the king, may the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times more than they are. While my Lord, the king looks on. But why does my Lord, the king want to do this? Joab is questioning why King David want to take a census of the people in Israel. Okay. From Dan, from, from, uh, the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba and then register the troops so he can know their number. Okay. I want to read verse three again. Joab replied to the king, may the Lord, your God multiply the troops a hundred times more than they are. While my Lord, the king looks on, but why does my Lord, the king want to do this? Yet the king's order prevailed over Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army left the king's presence to register the troops of Israel. Now, I, did you guys catch it yet? Did you catch it? Now, God told David to go. Now, listen, verse um, one, the Lord's anger burned against Israel again. And he stirred up David against them to say, go count the people of Israel and Judah. Now, David's response to the Lord should have been. Why, my Lord, it doesn't matter how many exist. You, my Lord, are the reason that my military and my war has been so successful against my enemies. OK, keep in, keep in mind what I just said while we continue to read. Verse five, they crossed the Jordan and camped in Aurora, 
south of the town in the middle of the valley and then proceeded toward Gad and Jezer. Verse 6. They went to Gilead and to the land of the Hittites and continued on to Dan, Jan, and around to Sidon. Now, the, the land of the Hittites are black people. Okay, but if you, if you notice, the Bible never talks about a person's color. It tells you where they are from so you can know who they are. God never had a problem with a person's color because he made them that way. And they were not cursed to be dark skin. Like many of you have heard in your churches by false teachers. You can, if you don't study to show yourself approved, you can be tricked in this Bible. Like David Koresh uh, did to uh, the people in Texas. Okay. Fooled them. They were following someone who suffered from mental illness. Reading his Bible. And the worst thing you can do is have someone reading his Bible who is not being guided and they are being led by the devil in these scriptures and someone who suffer from mental illness. It can be a tragedy and people who are looking for something, looking for something supreme, looking for a God. I'm, I hate to digress, but y'all need to hear this. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, but they are looking for someone who has the answers. And so they can see the person. Okay. Like Trump. Okay, I don't know how he programmed and deceived millions of people, but when you don't know God and you don't know his DNA, you will think that the devil is God. Don't forget, Jesus said and his, his apostles said the devil can masquerade as an angel of light, but Trump ain't even masquerading as, masquerading as an angel of light. He putting his evil at the forefront. The problem is you no longer know the difference between good and evil. That's the problem with people. They no longer know the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. They no longer know the difference between justice and injustice. They don't know the difference between good and evil because Trump has put his evil on the forefront. And people say, oh, he's a good man. He knows God. What God are you talking about? Because it sure enough ain't the God of Jesus. Now, I, I, I had to share that. So let's get back on track. Let me read verse four again. Yet the king's order prevailed over Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army left the king's presence to register the troops of Israel. Verse five, they crossed the Jordan and camped in Aroah, south of the town in the middle of the valley, and then proceeded toward Gad and Jezer. Verse six, they went to Gilead and to the land of the Hittites and continued on to Dan and Jaan and around to Sidon. And I'm once again, let me tell you, uh, they went to Gilead and to the land of the Hittites. The land of the Hittites are black people. Okay. And I want to make that clear. Do your research on Hittites and where they come from. They come from Ham, uh, Noah's black son. Um, and continued on to Dan and Jaan and around to Sidon. Verse 7. They went to the fortress of Tyre and all the cities of the Hivites and Canaanites. And the land of Canaan is not cursed. Contrary to what you may have heard. Okay. Afterward, they went to Negev of Judah at Beersheba. Verse 8. When they had gone through the whole land. They returned to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. It took them nine months and 20 days to go and count all those people. Verse nine, Joab gave the king the total of the registration of the troops. There were 800,000 valiant armed men from Israel and 500,000 men from Judah. Verse 10, David's conscience. This one, the light came, came on, came on in David's head. Okay. Verse 10, David's conscience troubled him after he had taken a census of the troops. He said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. What did David do? He relied on the amount of troops to win his wars when in fact it was God, the sole reason as to why he was so successful in war and David missed it. So when we read chapter 23, it talked about David's commanders being successful in war instead of, instead of putting God at the forefront. Do you get it now? Instead of putting God at the forefront. But once David, and he has been consistent with this, once David realized he sinned against the Lord, he immediately repented. 
So let's read uh, verse 10 again. David's conscience troubled him after he had taken a census of the troops. He said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. Now, Lord, because I've been very foolish, please take away your servant's guilt. Because David, one thing about David, he was so remorseful, he goes into a deep state of depression. That's why he wasn't there a good father to his sons. Verse 11. When David got up in the morning, the word of the Lord had come to the prophet Gad. Now, I don't know what happened to Nathan, but Gad is the prophet that God is using now to go directly to David to speak to him. David seer. Verse 12. Go and say to David. This is the Lord talking to Gad. Go and say to David, this is what the Lord says. I am offering you three choices. These are three choices of punishment. Choose one of them and I will do it to you. Verse 13. So Gad went to David, told him the choices and asked him, do you want three years of famine to come on your land to flee from your foes three months while they pursue you or to have a plague in your land three days. Now consider carefully what answer I should take back to the one who sent me, meaning the Lord. Verse 14, David answered, Gad, I have great anxiety and I would too, because all three of those are just tremendous and horrific. All three of those choices. I have great anxiety. Please let us fall into the, the Lord's hands because his mercies are great. But don't let me fall into the to the human hands or to the hands of men may be in your translation. Now, if we have some choices, let me tell you something. We better make the same choice choice that David made fall into the hands of the Lord because of his mercies. Oh, my Lord. Hallelujah. The spirit just hit me fall into the hands of the Lord. That was three days of a plague. But here's the thing. The entire land, the entire nation of Israel is going to suffer with David. But watch David's response. So the Lord, this is verse 15. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the appointed time. And from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men died. Verse 16, then the angel extended his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it. And you could see this angel, by the way, but the Lord relented, meaning the Lord stopped concerning the destruction. See, that's what God's mercy come in at. So if you ever want to uh, choose your punishment, fall into the hands of the Lord here. But like I said and been saying through this entire series, we are not under the same dispensation. God doesn't deal with man today like he dealt with them back then because we are under grace. They are under the condemnation of the law. Okay, my Lord, thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Oh, God, thank you for your son, Jesus, because we don't have to go through this. However, back then, God sent the plague today, the devil doing it. And if you are not under protection, under the protection of grace, you will experience the same thing. You understand me? There are people who are catching COVID-19. I'm talking about pastors, so-called pastors, dropping dead in the pulpit. Catching COVID symptoms one day and dead two days later. Why do you think that is? Because God is no respecter of person. Why do you think that is? We have so many false teachers out there. And I don't want you guys to think that, that I am insensitive. That's not the case. But I'm here to tell you the truth. We have so many false teachers out there misleading people. And why you think God would allow a pastor to drop dead in the pulpit? Huh? Why would you think? Why do you think God will allow a young lady to go to a pastor's house, shoot him dead and then shoot his wife? What's going on? What is going on? We are under the dispensation of grace. And if you feel comfortable teaching falsely, and if you feel comfortable living in open sin and claiming to be a man of God, uh, well, well, my guess is the spirit of the Lord ain't in you. And if that's the case, and I mean living in open sin and feeling comfortable, you ain't under grace. You are not under grace. Let me read 14 again. David answered Gad, I have great anxiety. Please let us fall into the hands or into the Lord's hands because his mercies are great. But don't let me fall into human hands 
Verse 15, so the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the appointed time. And from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men died. My Lord, my Lord. Now, do you see if you are a leader of a nation and you do wrong in the sight of the Lord, how it can affect the people of the land who doesn't have anything to do with your behavior and your decision making? Do you see how we can be affected? And I want you guys to meditate on that, how we can be affected based on the behavior of a leader of a nation. Verse 16, then the angel extended his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it. But the Lord relented concerning the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people enough. See, that's where God's mercy came in. That's why David said, no, let me fall into the hands of the Lord. Enough. Withdraw your hand now. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Aranua, the Jebusite. Now, Jebusites are black people also. Do, do you understand? Verse 17, when David saw the angel striking the people, see, the angel was visible. He said to the Lord, look, I am the one who has sinned. This is a real leader. I am the one who has done wrong. But these sheep talking about the people. What have they done? Please let your hand be against me and my father's family. Now that's a leader. That's a leader who know he did wrong in the sight of the Lord and that the nation or the people that he ruled over was going to continue to suffer because of his sin. He stepped up and said, God, no, no, let me and my family suffer. These sheep have done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Verse 18, Gad came to David that day and said to him, go up and set up an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Verse 19, David went up in obedience to Gad's command, just as the Lord had commanded. Verse 20, Aruna looked down and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So he went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. Verse 21, Aruna said, why has my Lord, the king, come to his servant? David replied, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord so the plague on the people may be haltered. Verse 22, Aruna said to David, my Lord, the king may take whatever he wants and offer it. Here are the oxen for a burnt offering and the threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Verse 23, your majesty, Aruna gives everything here to the king. Then he said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. Verse 24, but, but, and, and, and as we continue to read 24, uh, watch David's response to, to Aruna saying, no, let me give you these things. Listen, the king answered Aruna, no, I insist on buying it from you for a price for I will not offer to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 20 ounces of silver. Verse 25, he built an altar to the Lord there and offered burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord was receptive to prayer for the land and the plague of Israel ended. It didn't end without David offering a sacrifice. Now, it is somewhat surprising that David wishes to buy the threshing floor. As Aruna acknowledges, Aruna made David a generous offer. My Lord, the king may take whatever he wants. Probably his offer was sincere, besides, especially as a foreigner. I told you he was a black man, a Hittite. He was not in a position to bargain with Israel's king or Aruna may have anticipated the king would respond with a price. Now, the first sentence of this verse is literally all he gives Aruna the king to the king. The first, the king is usually taken as a vocative, your majesty or O king. But some have argued that Aruna was the last Jebusite king of Jerusalem. Now, David, however, knew that all genuine sacrifice came at a price. Now, to offer to the Lord burnt offerings that cost nothing would have been to David a sign of the deepest ingratitude. In light of this, 20 ounces of silver was probably more than a fair price. Now, burnt offerings 
typically signified the general dedication of the worshiper. Fellowship offerings involved a meal shared by priest and worshiper, and they could be offered to express thankfulness. In this case, thankfulness is that the plague on Israel, while severe, had not destroyed Jerusalem. Okay. Now, before we end this series, I want to shed some light on chapter 24, uh, verse 24, when David paid 50 shekels of silver. This seems to conflict uh, with First Chronicles 21, 25, which says 600 shekels of gold. Now, the figure in Second Samuel specifically says that David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Now, the figure in First Chronicles is for the entire site. David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. In chapter 23, David functions as a prophet. I want to make sure that's clear, but David was not a prophet and he was not a priest. He was the king, but he functioned as a prophet. Here as a priest, David combines the three offices of prophet, priest, and king. These were again combined in David's relative, Christ, the Messiah. And again, combined in the spirit-filled church in whose members the spirit of prophecy resides. You can read that in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 21. And who are a kingdom and priest to serve our God. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, chapter 5, verse 10. Now, this is the end of 2 Samuel. Um, Some key takeaways. David was a king, but he was not perfect. He sinned greatly in the eyes of the Lord. He paid dearly for that. He repented immediately and he made it right. So when David sinned, he didn't know he was sinning against the Lord. He was always told by the prophet in that day what he did to make God angry. Now, in this last sin in chapter 24, he realized When Joab came back and gave him the amount of people or his military that he asked uh, Joab to go out and conduct a census. And David realized right then and there that he had sinned against the Lord because he had put his faith in his military forces and not in God. So that offended the Lord. When you are in leadership, you better watch out what you do and how you treat people. Okay, you better watch out what you do and how you treat people. And another thing we learn is that when you are in leadership, your behavior can infect the entire nation that you are presiding over. So if you have any questions, saints, please email me at talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And you guys know I will answer you personally. Now, I know I said that the next series will be Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. We definitely will be in the New Testament. But the Lord has been tugging on me saying, I want you to start a series on first and second Corinthians, the letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth. So I don't know what I'm going to start tomorrow. I will let you know tomorrow when we get there. So until tomorrow, saints, I want you to continue to pray for peace, show love, be God's light, walk in his light. Don't walk in darkness. Please, please continue to pray for your loved ones. Pray ahead to protection over yourself, your loved ones. Give God the glory, all the glory, honor and praise. Hallelujah. So I will see you guys next time. you were enlightened by this message if you have any questions or comments about this particular episode please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts Anchor, Spotify, Breaker Google Podcast and Radio Public 
to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.